0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Let's pray. Lord, I can't speak this word today if you don't come and move with power that those who hear it can understand and not be offended but to let it enter deep into their hearts. For Lord, we're at a time where sin is disgusting and there's no place for it in our our hearts or in our lives. It is ugly. Lord, would you come with power? Would you move with people's Minds and words and hearts as they listen. That there could be a dramatic shift, a change, an opening, an understanding. Lord, thank you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Send forth the midnight cry. For Lord, surely it is time for the judgment to come upon the earth. But I'm pleading that that judgment would be for repentance, not for destruction. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In 1844, a great midnight cry went up across America. It was the Millerite movement. Joseph Miller was a sea captain. He'd been studying the prophecies. His heart was deeply stirred. This was a time when the Holy Spirit was moving in power in many people, resulting in revival breaking out in many places, even, yea, into the early 1900s. William Miller understood the scriptures to say that at the end of the 2300 days, the earthly sanctuary would be cleansed. When his dating, October 22nd, was found not to be accurate, there was what they called the great disappointment. Because dedicated men and women who had even sold their farms and given everything away, found they were still here on the earth and that Jesus had not come. But the very heart of his message was correct. And that is that the sanctuary must be cleansed. And the sanctuary was the heart of man. The inner heart had to be cleansed It was time for a pure heart. It was time for a pure mind. Others came preaching this same word of a pure heart. John Wesley's whole focus was on you must leave all sin. You must have a pure heart. And it comes only by grace through Jesus Christ. It's not not a shell game. It's not make-believe. It's real, imparted righteousness. It is being totally transformed and changed by the glory of Jesus Christ, by the blood of our Lord, by the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe we have come to a time in history when it is again time for a great proclamation. And that proclamation is Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This is the first great angel cry of Revelation, the 14th chapter. It is the announcement that the midnight cry, remember the midnight cry? It's when the five wise and the five foolish were all sleeping and the midnight cry rang out. Come, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And five foolish virgins did not have pure hearts or clean minds. They were still walking in their disgusting humanism. So five were ready and went in with the master. Five went out to try to buy oil. But you can only buy the oil in the prayer closet. The Holy Spirit does not come to the wicked. You must enter the school of the Holy Spirit, and this is not a quick fix. This will take some time and energy and faithfulness before Almighty God. The midnight cry is the cry that the hour of God's judgment has come for the earth. The bridegroom is coming, and I believe Jesus is coming and coming soon. And the cry for the midnight cry has to go forth over this nation. That's what this broadcast is all about. Calling men and women, you, to leave all sin and all wickedness, To be washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus. To be restored and made whole. That's the midnight cry. I awakened this morning at 3 a.m. And was so troubled in my spirit, I could not go back to sleep. And so I finally began to pray. I knew that sleep had fled from me. I'm planning to take next week off air to spend a week in prayer, supplication, fasting before Almighty God. I am deeply concerned for what I see happening in this nation and particularly what is not happening in the body of Christ. A great dread came upon my heart. That dread was that the National Prayer Chapel would grow. I am not any longer an entrepreneur. I am not here to develop new methods or new strategies I'm not here, yea, even to grow a church through church growth means and seeker-sensitive strategies. I'm here to proclaim the midnight cry. I'm here to proclaim it's time for us, for you and for me, to be fully enrolled, if we are not, in the school of the Holy Spirit Yesterday, I saw several people who said to me, Pastor, we'd like to come on a Sunday morning and see what's happening at the National Prayer Chapel. I said, you're welcome to come, but we do not welcome floaters. If you want to float here and there, float somewhere else. And I really did a takeaway. Why would I do that? Because I find people want to come to something new. They want to experience it, but they want to come in their religiosity while still continuing to walk in wickedness before a holy God. And that grieves my heart. Jesus said, He would not entrust himself to men because he knew what was in their hearts. I understand that. I don't want to entrust myself either to men and women who have not sold themselves out for Jesus Christ, who are still walking in their wicked ways, who are still walking in bitterness and anger and judgment, who are still walking in lying and cheating, stealing, who are still walking full of the ambition of the world, full of the love of money, still walking in the depths of their perversion, their love of pornography, their love of of the sensual, sexual uncleanness. I don't want to walk with these people. I want them to come and repent before Jesus and get washed and get clean and be made whole. I want. You, I want you to leave your sin, to walk clean before a holy and mighty God. I want you enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit. I don't want you walking in the ways of the world. They are disgusting to my heart. There is such revulsion in my spirit against sin. It makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me want to vomit. Because I see I've lived long enough. I know where that sin leads. I know to the judgments and the and the bickering and the fighting and the destruction. I know what sin does to a marriage. I know what sin does in a man's heart when he lusts after money and begins to compromise, begins to to lie in business, begins to steal in business, is not upright and sterling in quality. To a man who thinks God is a hard man, so he has to find ways around he has to find a way to survive. My brother, my sister, our survival is found in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It's not found in the antics of the flesh. Oh, my brother, my sister. It's time for the midnight cry. I spoke yesterday with you about the school of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue that. I said to you yesterday that the first step when Jesus begins to call you and you would not be listening to this broadcast if jesus were not calling you you would have turned me off in anger or disinterest you would have had something else of importance that you had to run to so if you're still here you do have an interest in following jesus and the first step in matthew 16:24 is that you must say no to yourself. Now, in the Greek, it's what's called the aorist tense. It means continual action. This is not a one-time event. If anyone will come after me, he must continually continue to deny himself continue to say no. This is not a one-time no. This is a, a constant no in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to go back to those wicked ways. I'm not going to go back to the anger and the bitterness. I'm not going to go back to the lying and the cheating and the stealing and the sexual uncleanness. I'm not going to go back. I am going to continue to deny myself and say Absolutely, no, I'm not going back. The second step that we are considering today, if anyone would come after me, he must continually continue denying himself and take up his cross and follow me. You cannot be a follower of Jesus if you have not taken up your cross. Now again, it's in the aorist tense, which is a continual action. He must continue constantly to take up his cross. And he must continue, continually, He must follow Jesus. But where was Jesus going? He was on his way to Golgotha, where he would be crucified. So if you are interested, and one man questioned yesterday whether I was even a Christian, whether I believed in salvation, He said he'd never heard a pastor teach this self-denial. Never heard a pastor saying you should say no to yourself. Let alone, it's not enough to say no to yourself. After you've said no, you must say yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, it means you must take up your cross. It is an instrument of death. It means to die out. It means to die out to sexual uncleanness. It means to die out to anger and bitterness and rage. It means to die out to stealing and lying and cheating. If you're going to take up your cross you then must understand that it's not just a matter of saying no to yourself. It's a matter then of going the next step and utterly, totally, and completely forever laying down your life in service to Jesus Christ, in service in his kingdom. Now, the apostle Paul spoke about this. Let me turn quickly and I'll read it for you. It's in the book of Galatians, the second chapter. I know this for many of you will be a very familiar passage, but don't quickly swipe over it. Understand the depth of what it means. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's the Apostle Paul speaking. He knew that he had to say no to himself. He knew that he had to be crucified with Christ. He had to die. He could not save his life. He could not preserve his life. He could not hold on to his ambitions. He could not hold on to his plans. He had to die to those things. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. This is where we're going. My brother, my sister, we have all lived in the flesh. This is the earth, and we have lived on the earth, and we have walked in the ways of men, and we have learned how to survive. But now we have to go to a new place. And that new place is where we have absolute trust in Jesus Christ. And our life is completely in his hands. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So I am now possessed by Jesus Christ. Do you see why at the beginning of this passage in Matthew, it is stated of continuous action. If anyone would come after me, he must continually continue to deny himself. And he must continually continue to take up his cross and follow Jesus. And the work will be done by Jesus. It is not done by hard work. It is not done by flesh. We are to be circumcised of heart by Jesus Christ. It is a supernatural work of grace that is done in us by faith in the blood of Jesus. But to enter into that school of the Holy Spirit where these things take place, we must say no to ourselves, and we must be willing To give up our life. Which means I have to give up my dreams. My goals. I give up what my life is about. And my life is now about only one thing. And that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things will be given to you as well the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus. What things will be given? The passage identifies food and clothing, shelter, the basic necessities of life. will be provided by the Lord as we give up our life. Now, that doesn't mean we quit our jobs. That means our place of employment transforms into a place of kingdom ministry where God has assigned us or where we have assigned ourselves, where we patiently wait on God. Reese Howells, The Intercessor by Norman Grubb. If you've not read it, I urge you, buy the book and read it. Reese worked at the face of the coal mine, the toughest job of mining as a strong, healthy young man. That was not the Lord's goal for Reese. That was what Reese did because he thought it was necessary. Finally, the Lord said to Reese, can I not pay you as well as the coal mine? And he said, yes. And he entered into the employment of the Lord Jesus. Now, that employment may mean working in a hospital, it may mean working in the government, it may mean working in construction, in an office, it may mean many different kinds of jobs, but all of them are to be kingdom jobs, a place where I testify and witness and win men and women to the kingdom of Jesus Christ and where I am utterly given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now let's let's make no sentimentality here. Let's be straight up and honest. Crucifixion is a form of execution. It is not pretty. It is not easy. And is with a great deal of pain. Paul is saying, I've been crucified. That is, he has lost all that he thought he possessed before. He lost his job on the Sanhedrin. He lost his wife. You could not be a part of the Sanhedrin and not be married. Paul was a single man. Paul lost everything for the sake of Christ. He considered it all garbage. For the sake of Jesus Christ, this is where every Christian must go. He must be utterly given over to Jesus, regardless of the painful price that is necessary to be paid as crucifixion takes place. You cannot enter the school of the Holy Spirit and not enter into crucifixion. They go together. They are one. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Is that your spirit condition today before a holy and righteous God? Is that how you stand with him? The life I live in the body I live by faith in the son of God. Now notice it does not say the life I live in the body. I live by my salary or I live by my credit cards or I live by my medical treatments. No, the life I live in the body. I live by faith in the son of God. who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You cannot earn righteousness. Righteousness is a free gift that is rained down on the person who is willing to begin saying no to his flesh and who is willing then to allow himself to be crucified in Jesus Christ. If you look at Mark, the eighth chapter, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. This is Mark, the 8th chapter, verse 34. So let's be clear. You must make a decision. And I'll be straight up with you. I have dealt with too many men and women who are so full of themselves and their truth that they twist and turn the scriptures to say what they want them to say and then feel oppressed when people do not quickly agree with them. I've dealt with too many men and women who are utterly unclean sexually, but come to church and pretend that they're righteous before God and that they're eager for the work of the gospel to go forward. But that's all they are. They're words. But as soon as they leave the church house, they go back to their lusting after the unclean, and after the money, after their dishonesty, after their pleasures. I'm disgusted by this. I'm angered by this. I want a man or a woman to be straight up and say, no, I'm not a Christian, and I don't intend to be a Christian. I would much rather have a man say that than a man to say to me, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven, and then walk home and go to their pornography, or go to their job and cheat and lie and steal and twist the word of God to justify their behavior. I'm troubled. I'm troubled today because I see that the midnight cry is beginning to go forth in America, that great judgments from God are going to begin to fall on this nation. Yea, they have already begun to fall. And many pastors and many people in the church are still just playing patty cake with the devil still playing with their sin, still not sold out, half converted, cotton candy Jesus that they can twist and turn and consume as they desire. But, oh, they're righteous and wonderful people. No, they're not. They're sinners before God. They're hell bound. Do you understand that? This terrifies me. That's why I couldn't sleep last night. I was so troubled in my spirit. At some point, don't we finally have to get honest with God and with each other? Don't we at some point have to finally say, look, No more games. Look at how you spend your money. Do you spend your money to advance the kingdom of God, or do you spend your money on your own pleasure and on your own survival and taking care of business? because you believe your salary only gives you a certain limited amount of money and you must take care of you and yours before you take care of Jesus Christ and his kingdom work what kind of what kind of game is that with Jesus let me see a man's checkbook or his credit card statement and I'll tell you where his heart is. For most in America, the heart is hidden in entertainment and pleasure and self and lifestyle and not in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Look at how you spend your time Look at how you spend your money. Look at where you eat and what you eat. And ask yourself a question. Is this kingdom activity or is this flesh activity? At some point, if we're going to be serious about reaching God, going to have to give up the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, I am going to be very straight with you. I have some issues for which I must pray that are weighing heavily on my heart. I just discovered last night that my precious brother has COVID, and his wife has COVID, and my nephew has COVID. And I'm deeply concerned for them. Another dear sister is desperately ill. I'm very concerned for she and her husband. I'm very concerned about about this broadcast. I know that at some point, I need to make a call for a general meeting. I know it's time for this broadcast to go on a much broader basis. I know that's up to Jesus. I need to pray about it. I know there are very significant issues that I must get answers for. And in the hours of this morning as I lay before the Lord and sought his face, I ask him, who do I pray for? How do I pray? I know I'm going to have to get still enough before God to hear his answer. Do you know what God wants you to pray for? Do you know what God is calling you to? I know I have to take time to pray for the resources to continue this broadcast just as it is on the air now. I know only Jesus can move in the hearts of men and prompt them to give. And I thank Dirk and Ellen and And many others for your giving. Thank you. But I know I must pray through on this issue for this month's radio. Do you know how to pray? Can you reach the throne room of God? Have you denied yourself? Have you enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit? Are you crucified with Christ or is that, are those just empty words? Are you still trying to find a way to be a follower of Jesus and a lover of this life? I can tell you now you cannot do it. You cannot be both a follower of Jesus and a part of this world. I shared this dream some time ago, but let me share it with you again. In my sleep, I suddenly was standing. at a place that was totally blocked. My car, I could not drive any further. It was at the edge of a precipice. There was no way through. The road ended right there. And I began to cry out to God because I knew I had to get to the house of God. And Suddenly the scene changed and I was standing on the edge of a huge parking lot And there was a great cathedral of the Lord, a great house of God. And a voice spoke and said, walk along the edge of the parking lot. And so I did. And I began to see that each of the lanes of parking were identified by chapters from the book of Romans, lane 1. Lane 2, chapter 2, Romans 3, Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 6. I got to Romans 6, and the voice said, Now go toward the house of God. And so I began to walk toward the house of God. And I noticed up ahead of me there was an opening in the pavement, and there was a covering over it, a grill. It was a small opening, but as I walked On Romans 6 parking lane, toward that opening, I saw it begin to grow and expand in size. And I looked up, and here coming from the house of God were two men in suits, and between them was a beautiful woman dressed in gold. And as she walked toward me, as they walked toward me, we came to the edge of this opening in the pavement I looked down and I saw a beautifully cut stone stairway going down and right there just a few steps down was a beautiful pool of water and I instantly knew in my dream that it was a baptismal pool I knew in my spirit that this woman represented the American church decked out in gold. I beckoned to her to come to enter the pool with me to baptize her. She shook her head. No. I said, no, come, please come. You must be baptized. She again resisted. I began to enter that pool. My feet were in the water. I beckoned to her, please come. She turned her face aside from me. Put her hand up. No, no. And I was awakened. I cried out to the Lord over that dream. I said, Lord, your American church does not want to be baptized It does not want to be crucified. Romans 6. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we also certainly will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, you must count yourselves. You must continually count yourselves or consider yourselves or inventory yourselves. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin, do not ever let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. To understand, you must enter into that school of the Holy Spirit, first by denying yourself, by saying no, and then by entering into the crucifixion, which includes confession of all known sin and repentance and turning from that sin. Repentance means... I absolutely turn away from that thing. I no longer walk in it. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm a new person. I'm made old. I'm made new. Is that your experience? Have you been made new in Jesus? Do you rejoice with me in the fullness of the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Do you see you cannot continue to play with sin or the devil? I want with all my heart to be able to proclaim this message to all of Washington. I want to be able to have a pulpit where people can come and sit there and listen and not be distracted by the telephone or the internet or job. The Midnight Cry must go forth in America. The sanctuary must be cleansed. Your heart must be made pure by the blood of Jesus. Your mind must be made pure and clean by the blood of Jesus. And the old nature must be utterly destroyed and put down. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But do you understand? You must say no continually to yourself, to the old man of flesh. And you must say yes to Jesus. And you must take up your cross. And you must follow him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. I know of no possible way that any person listening to this broadcast has any possibility of turning from their sin unless your Holy Spirit comes and invites them to enroll in the school of the Holy Spirit. We have become so casual and so laid back and so self-assured in our pride and arrogance before you. We've become so comfortable in our wickedness in america and now lord you're bringing about grave crisis upon this nation where there will be hunger and famine where there is sickness and death where there is lack and homelessness because your judgments are being poured out on this nation, even as we pray together now to try to get the attention of your people, that they would take up their cross and follow you. But Lord, we've been as a church so lied to. We've been told you want us all to be wealthy and prosperous. And the pulpits of America have taught all the strategies for success and all of the rituals and all of the church calendars and all, Lord, all rules made by men. Lord, please, I beseech you. Will you come and strengthen those who have been crucified with you? would you come and encourage every man and every woman who is continually saying no to wickedness and who is saying, yes, I've been crucified with Christ, that I died, and Christ now lives in me. Lord, I ask for every one of those precious believers, and I know there are many listening to this broadcast right now, I ask that you would encourage them, that you would pour out your spirit upon them in power, in love, in mercy, that you would be their provision, that you would remove all fear from their hearts, that you would protect them from the enemy, that you would heal their diseases, you would bind up their wounds. Lord, we bind every demon of hell that has come against these precious believers. We break every curse. We ask, Lord, that you would give every person who is faithful to you the courage to stand strong. But, Lord, let not one of us be deceived while continuing to walk in sin and think that we've been crucified. Lord, you came to destroy the works of the devil in our hearts to wash us, to cleanse us, to restore us, to make us new in your spirit. Thank you, my Lord. I worship you. I praise you. I honor your name. I love you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for those who call themselves Christians but who lie, who cover over their sins, who consume things of darkness, who lust after money and power and prestige, who lust after the things of the flesh, the material things, the lifestyle, the house, the cars, the clothes. Lord, I pray for those who call themselves Christians. But obviously by the secret life, they are not Christian. They are twice dead. I pray for a resurrection now. I pray for a willingness for the church to be baptized, to enter into death and resurrection in you, Jesus. And then, Lord, I pray for those men and women who are hungry for you, who are searching to know you. But because of their own deceived heart and their own wickedness, they've been led astray many times by the devil. I ask that you would guide them to a place of refuge. I ask you to guide them to a church, to a people where they can learn how to serve you, Jesus, how to say no to themselves and how to be be willing and able to take up their cross and follow you. I pray this in your name today, Jesus, and I plead your blood. I plead your blood over every person listening. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you. I'm praying. I'm crying out to God for you. I pray that that God will move in your hearts and that you will obey him. Go in peace. I'm eager to meet you. I love you with all my heart. I love you. I pour my life out for you. Go in peace. I'll talk to you soon.